first and foremost, be focused on telling the best possible story because it's the best and most creative and most well-told stories that will ultimately find the largest audience and then, of course, will ultimately make the biggest impact. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Sky. In today's fragmented world, we as storytellers, um, nonfiction storytellers, have such a responsibility to use the stories that we tell to create on the ground real change and wake people up, right? It's like, that's why we're doing it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It, film is a vehicle for empathy, right? It's an empathy machine. Who said that? It was Ebert. Roger, Roger Ebert. Yeah. If you are a person who cares about a social issue or wants to make a change, it feels like film is maybe one of the best ways to start. Absolutely. And, I, you know, why else are we doing it if not to carry out this social responsibility that we have as storytellers to, you know, wake people up to big issues that yeah. are problematic? But then it's like we learn how to make films and we learn how to tell stories and the story arcs and everything but then what you know like how do we get them out there and so I'm excited about this yeah and so our guest today basically helps filmmakers do just that she's president of a agency called picture motion which basically runs impact marketing campaigns so that if you have a impact driven film that you want to get out to the right people they help you bring it to those people and they help you actually measure its impact. It's really kind of awesome and exciting work. Totally. And, you know, we're all working on projects that we're so passionate about and that we know need to be told um, and disseminated, so to speak. But the big question is how, you know, like what's step one? How do you do it in a real concrete way and actually have it catalyze change? And, and the first thing that comes to mind for me as a great model, obviously, is, you know, the OG impact film, An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore. It's like that grassroots community effort that actually created widespread real change in, in the zeitgeist. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up An Inconvenient Truth because it is, when we think about impact-driven film, it is one of the first films that come to mind. But when I talked to Wendy, our guest today, Wendy Cohen, a lot of the things we discussed is how not every impact-driven film needs to be an inconvenient truth type story. You know, it doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be like sit down interviews with experts and data and the way that we think of like quote unquote documentary film. Totally. That there actually is, there is an appetite for a more character-driven sort of like narrative impact film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After all, right, the, the the personal story is what always draws us in and what connects us all as human exactly. beings. Um, that's wonderful. Well, I cannot, I mean, we are all working on projects that we want to get out into the world. So I personally cannot wait to hear what y'all discussed. Yeah. I mean, I know so many people who are trying to do the same. So I think that it'll be really an insightful conversation for our listeners. Mm-hmm. And a last hurrah to season two. My yes. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and while this is season two, the end, we have so much planned for season three, right? Yeah. Everyone should get excited, sa- start salivating. 
Yeah, we are already planning for season three. We're really excited to get that off the ground. Until then, please keep emailing us and DMing us on Instagram, sending us show suggestions, just general thoughts. Yeah. Who who you want to hear next and tell your friends about us. And I would like to actually just plug VC as the last thing. This is brought to you by the Video Consortium. And we are a creative community of top leading emerging voices in documentary film and journalism. So if you want to join, go to videoconsortium.com. There's an apply button. And um, you can also shoot us an email at info at videoconsortium.com. Well, with that, this is Wendy Cohen, and you're listening to Rough Cut. Here we go. Hey, I'm Stephanie Strauss. I'm a video producer, director, and sometimes shooter, and I'm here to tell you about Musicbed. Musicbed has made it easier than ever for you to find the song you're looking for. With intuitive and easy-to-use browse and search, amazing indie artists and bands, incredible composers like Ryan Taubert and Chad Lawson, and thousands of songs to choose from. To create your free account and learn more, go to musicbed.com. Plus, as a Rough Cut listener, you'll get a one-month subscription for free or 20% off a single song license. Just enter promo code ROUGHCUT when you check out. Just to start off, let's say that you're making a documentary and it's your first film and you want it to be sort of impact-driven. How early should you start thinking about the impact of your film? Can you kind of like start an impact campaign on a finished film or does it need to come in earlier in the process? That is such a great question. And we talk about, you know, the when do you start so often? Um, and I think the first thing is one, storytellers should first and foremost be focused on telling the best possible story because it's the best and most creative and most well-told stories that will ultimately find the largest audience. And then of course, will ultimately make the biggest impact. So. First and foremost, tell the story you think is the most valuable and um, important and the like the best way to possibly tell it. So don't let the impact like drive the content of the storytelling. So the first thing is, yes, tell the best story. Don't let the impact necessarily drive it. I think if you're making a film about a specific Um, organization. So let's say you're making a movie about the ACLU. Then the impact is going to necessarily, you know, it's just going to be woven throughout because this is a movie about an organization that, you know, it has specific values and um, advocates for specific things. But that's probably not very often the case. You're probably thinking of a few characters or maybe it's an issue area, but you have to tell the best possible story. Mm. After that, I think having your intention with the film is important because it might help you make some decisions um, about where you're spending your time and your efforts. But um, when it comes to starting an impact campaign, you need to know how the story is going to end. So for a lot of documentarians, I think, I've never made a feature-length documentary, but I imagine um, there's still some question marks until it's done. And so you need to have your finished, especially with feature length, but you need to have your finished film in order to know, okay, who are the partners, the experts, the academics working in this field that I should be talking to? And when you start thinking about that and making those phone calls, it's very important to think about, um, A, you want to be very aware of someone's time, right? Where that is the most valuable thing we all have. It's limited. Um, And if you're going to be asking for someone's 
advice, you want to either be able to show them something. And this is, you know, partnerships are the heart of what we do. We're, we're never the experts, but we always say we're the experts at finding the experts. And when you start to build your campaign, you're reaching out to those experts, you know, make sure you have something to show them because that's going to be their first question. Like, can I see the movie or can I see part of the movie? Cause they're going to want to know like what they're speaking to. And especially if they want to support something. So I don't mm-hmm. think you want to start necessarily too early. Um, obviously if you're interviewing experts for your, you know, for your film, for your video, that will, you know, that'll already start educating you on the issue area space. Um, but we're seeing like less and less of those straight to camera expert interviews. Like I think yeah. a lot of documentaries now are a little more character driven, a little more, you know, fairy tale. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I think, I think you want to make sure if you're going to go to someone who isn't already part of your movie and you're going to ask them to lend their expertise, like make sure you know exactly what your film is, be able to show them something, even if it's like a sizzle or something that you know and know how the movie's going to end. Um, and so that you can have a very meaningful conversation, but as early as you can do that, I think that's also great. It takes a lot of time to forge meaningful partnerships, um, Mm. and get people's, you know, especially if you're not compensating them, which we usually aren't, you want to make sure if you're asking someone for their advice and expertise, you're giving them time. And so, um, you know, definitely once you have something that you are proud of and happy with, that's a great Mm. time to start. Yeah. And what kind of partnerships are you, can you describe those partnerships a bit more? Like what partnerships with nonprofits or individuals and and what kind of value does that add if you're trying to maximize your film's impact? Yeah, of course. So for us, we are always thinking of, okay, what can this film do at this particular moment in time? So filmmakers usually approach us customarily once they're getting ready for like a film festival release or, or a premiere, um, if their film isn't doing a festival circuit. And so they have, a, they have, a, they have a, a date in mind in which the film is going to be like shared with an audience uh, and they know they're going to likely be asked questions about a campaign or what an audience can do. And so that's about the time they usually come to us. And um, mm-hmm. so the first thing we do is like, we want to research this issue area. So what, what is it right now? What are people focused on? What are their goals for 2020? And I think especially at this moment in time, no matter what issue you're talking about, a lot of people's energy is going to be focused on this election. Um, and so, you know, keeping in mind, like, what's happening in the world, right? Like, where, where it's knowing when your film's going to come out, what's going, what, what do we know is going to be going on? I know we can't foretell, uh, obviously, like, natural disasters and surprises and what have you, but um, keeping that in mind. And so once we have a sense of, like, what the issue, what, what are this issue is right now and what we expect is going to be important in the next you know, time frame the movie's coming out, we'll start making phone calls. And I'm a big believer in like, you got to get 10, 20 people on the phone to get their sense of they've been, you know, they've been working on this issue probably way longer than a filmmaker has been making um, a film about it. And so you kind of want to know like what's happening right now. How can this film play a key role? Um, Who else should you be talking to? Kind of getting their expertise that will help do two things. One is it will help you position the film right? You're going to want to like have talking points about your movie. And it's helpful to know, I think, from the experts of like, okay, you know, if you made a movie about the environment, I mean, people aren't calling it climate change anymore. They're calling it the climate crisis. Like make sure you're using the right language. If you're making a film about addiction, there's a lot of like language you need to use that's kind of evolved over time. Make sure Mm -hmm. you have that. So that's the one thing the experts are going to help you with. They're also going to help you identify like what you're going to be asking audiences to do. 
um, audiences now are like very aware that documentaries and some narrative films have the intention of making a difference. And they're going to be telling you, they're going to be guiding you through what you can do. So these experts are going to help you like know exactly what to tell audiences, how they can get involved. And then in the best case scenario, these partners, these organizations are helping you reach an audience. Um, mm. If the partnership is truly mutually beneficial and you've set up a really wonderful relationship, these partners, especially large organizations, can help you reach thousands and thousands of people. They might have big social feeds, big newsletters, they might be hosting screenings for you or participating on panels. Like there's so much these partners can do um, if, again, they're seeing that they can get a benefit out of collaborating on your project. Mm, that's great advice. Getting that language nailed down obviously is so important for talking about your film and promoting it, but it seems like you would want to know those things like as you're making the film as well. Totally. No, you're right. And like, if it, again, if it's very character driven, it might not have come up, but yes, of course okay. you hopefully have some of this going in, um, you know, and even for narrative movies that uh, we work with some of our clients where we're, you know, writing talking points and um, things that are going into the press kit, like language is going to the press kits and, some of that has kind of been updated or tweaked since mm. the film was made. And so you just want to make sure that you know the best way to talk about this. And so does your team. If you are going to hire a publicist, which I know is not, you know, not what everyone does, but if you are like, make sure they have the right detail. Everyone on your team should have, you know, the best language mm. and is talking about the film, the campaign, um, all with the, with the same messaging. I was actually just going to bring up hiring a publicist and or like the film having its own social media presence. How important would you say are both of those aspects? Is one more important than the other if you had to, I mean, I guess you don't, you wouldn't really have to choose one, but how important is social media and, and how important is hiring a PR person for your film? You know, having a social media presence, it doesn't necessarily have to be your film. So if the director has, you know, some kind of a following, um, or you're fortunate enough to get a distributor. I'm a big believer in, you know, taking over that feed and adding like the film's poster to your, to the page and to the, um, image and making it all about your film, but not necessarily starting from scratch. Starting from scratch is very hard. It's very hard to grow a following and so I always kind of look to like, can we use a director's feed and just make it all about the movie for now? And while the, during the release, um, can we use a distributor's plan? We see a lot of distributors now doing that. And so if you like go to a feed for Netflix or HBO, like you might just see the latest release on the top. Um, and I kind of think that that's like a smart way to, you know, already tap into an existing community. Um, so mm -hmm. don't necessarily start from scratch. Think about using your own, but just making it like branded all about the movie. And then in terms mm. of a publicist, like around the time of your release, whether it's a festival or a theatrical premiere, um, I think even it could be for a short time, I always think it's helpful, right? Because we are now like fighting for everyone's attention. Like your movie yeah. is now competing with Casablanca every episode of Friends and every single that's on YouTube. Like, and never before has that been true. And so you have to, we have to find a way to help these stories break through. And publicists are definitely an important part of that. And so if you can, I always think it's helpful. 
Can you talk about some of the films that Picture Motion has helped make a huge impact? Like some of the films that that you've seen make like an, an enormous social impact, and why you think they were so successful in doing that? Sure. Um, so we hope that all of our movies have made some kind of impact. The way we think of impact is you can open minds or change minds, but a very first step is opening minds, um, changing behaviors. So maybe people are um, choosing to buy certain things, making a difference that way, or choosing to eat something or not eat something. Um, You can affect policy. And policy is not just like federal policy, but that's local policy. That's policies at work, like maternity leave, that kind of things. Um, And then building communities. So people are coming together and working together in ways that they might not have beforehand. That this movie had like a unique opportunity to bring the same people um, in the same tent and do something wonderful together. Yeah, there's certainly different ways to define impact. And if you're going the hearts and minds route, it's it's almost impossible to measure that type of impact. It's really hard. And we think about that all the time. So we are big believers, or at least I'm a very big believer in measuring stories with stories. And so we send surveys to all of our screening hosts, as many audience members as we can reach, just to like get their their feelings, their feelings on the film, their feeling about what worked, what was impactful, and any kind of like changes this movie is experienced might have had on them. But the limitations that, that I'll happily admit to doing that is that we're usually surveying people like, I don't know, between 48 and 72 hours, maybe two weeks after they've um, attended an event or hosted an event. And that's usually like a pretty heightened time, right? They just saw it. They're very inspired. They're very moved by it. Um, and so it will have had, it'll, it'll be top of mind, um, but it's very hard to measure you know, all the other types of change. It'll take a very long time. Or maybe you stopped eating chicken after you saw Food Inc., but like the day after you saw it, but did you continue that over time? So I'm mm-hmm. personally very interested in, it's not something that we've ever been um, hired to do, but there are other other people out there who do this and like, Going back to people, you know, six months, 12 months, a year and a half later, two years later to know, well, what, what did this, what did this seeing this film experience have on you? Did you see more films about that issue? Did you read books about that issue? Like kind of a long-term change it might've made. And we rarely get the chance to do that, or we haven't had the chance to do that, I should say. Um, but that to me is really interesting, but we measure it as best as we can. Um, and of course, if we are working on an advocacy campaign, you know, if, policy has been changed, uh, which is easier to track. Uh, But in terms of projects we're working on, we worked on a film called Roll Red Roll, which is a film about rape culture, specifically looks at the case in Steubenville, Ohio. But when there was a few um, high school boys who sexually assaulted uh, one of their classmates, uh, and we, they, they had a wonderful impact producer. Picture Motion played a very specific role. Um, and my colleagues ran an incredible screening tour for the film, but much, very focused on high school students. It's a story about high school students. It was focused on high school students. Um, and we saw like incredible sports teams, lots of young women in high schools organizing, taking, having an opportunity to show this film and talk about what they are experiencing right now in their school, their culture in their school, maybe like consent-based sex education, which might not exist in their school. Um, We just, we received a tremendous amount of like really powerful 
stories and survey results from this screening tour. Um, there was an amazing screening here in Washington, D.C. with these uh, young women who their high school basically said, you're not allowed to screen the movie here. And they were like, we're renting a local theater and we're doing it. And they invited the whole school and kind of did it off campus. And it was just tremendous to see how these young people are like, this is something that's affecting us. It's important to us. We're going to show this. We're going to have a panel afterwards and we're going to talk about it. It's so difficult to to measure the impact of film because when I think back to the films that most that impacted me the most, that plays out in like the conversations I'm having with my friends and family. And I'm still thinking about it now. I'm still telling people about the film. It's really impossible to measure that. Right. And sometimes, totally. And again, sometimes we've had the great honor and pleasure of working on advocacy advocacy campaigns so we can see like, okay, yes, this bill was passed. Like we were part of something that has this finite ending almost, which is very exciting. But um, I think there's a chance that what stays with you just as long are those movies that, Mm -hmm. you know, just imprint on you in a certain way. And, you know, we have... There have been times, you know, we worked on a film called Inequality for All many, many moons ago about um, former Secretary of Labor Robert Reich. And it's this just big sweeping documentary, definitely one of my favorites. And he's talking about income inequality, obviously incredibly complex. There is definitely nothing where you could tell audiences like sign this petition and you'll, you know, solve this issue, right? Like it's just, it is, there's so many prongs to it. It's a constellation of issues that are affecting it. Um, But it was amazing. And we had... The film is amazing. And we had this website that was very honest about its complexity. And I think it might still be up actually, where if you landed on the website, it just said like, this is a very complicated issue, but we think we can tackle it in six different ways. And it was like education, mm-hmm. minimum wage, and there were six different ways. And one of them was um, workers' rights, like organizing. And we ended up, and I kind of forget how this ended up in my inbox, but we ended up getting an, an email from a flight attendant who saw the movie on an airplane, Uh, And she then went to the website and was reading like the workers' rights section, which was about organizing and unions. And she decided to like organize her fellow flight attendants because there was something she felt like was unfair. And it had to do with the flights they were allowed to take to get home after their shift was over. And she ended up organizing them and they ended up like passing this new, um, this new rule basically that really helped all flight attendants have better options when it came to like getting back to their um, home city. And Mm -hmm. she credits this movie and then the uh, supporting website for being inspired to do this, for having the tools for how to do it. I think she used a website called coworker.org to organize her coworkers, which was one of the actions we listed. And it was just like amazing story. But it reminded me that for all the times we hear something like that, there have to be dozens that we're not hearing. And we have to just kind of believe that these movies are just that great. And we're at least, we have the materials available, this website where people can go and they're able to, um, if they're so inspired, uh, you know, do something incredible and you can kind of trace it back to being inspired by the story. Yeah, absolutely. Many of us make documentaries to like bring awareness to social issues that we care about. Once a film is made, can you give some like really concrete basic steps towards giving it life and making it have a real substantial impact? 
Yeah, sure. So I think the first thing you should do is you should set your goals and you should write them down. Why did you make this movie? What is your intention? Um, and we talk a little bit about like, you should have a very specific goal that's clear, concise, and a little bit out of reach. So if you made a movie about, um, let's say farm workers, and I'm thinking of a film we worked on called Food Chains that was about uh, the Fair Food Program, maybe your goal is to say all farm workers should be paid, you know, should be paid at least the minimum wage and paid fairly. Now, obviously, you made this movie because you want to improve the lives of farm workers, and it is going to be impossible for you to do that for every farm worker with your film. But your like clear, concise, and a little bit out of reach goals is what's going to help people when you're calling them, when you're talking to audiences. It should just be like, you know, this one sentence of what your intention is. You should know, you should have that, and you should be, you know, honest with yourself about what that is. So first, set those goals. Um, after you set those goals you should make those 10 to 20 phone calls. And I know it sounds like a lot, and it's a lot. We're definitely asking filmmakers now to like make the best story, run social media, develop an impact campaign. You're probably fundraising. Like I understand this is a lot of hats to wear, um, but the best thing you can do is to make those 10 to 20 phone calls, but also share the film, even if it's a rough cut. And even if you're a little self-conscious about it, um, like a rough or fine cut, because building a campaign in a silo can be, you can ultimately end up with the wrong, putting your energy behind the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you're, you're sharing it with people who can, who are representatives of the audiences you're trying to reach, who can, or at least can help you get to those audiences you want to reach, um, who you think are, are representatives from organizations you want to try to work with. And like we call these brain trusts where we bring, I don't know, 10 to 12 people in a room, we buy them some dinner, we buy them some lunch, And we have like a very clear conversation, honest conversation afterwards that has to do with the campaign. So you're not asking these people for notes on like your song choices or where how to make the movie shorter. You're very specifically asking, okay, this is the film. Here's what I hope to accomplish. What, like, how can I do that? Who are the people I should be working with? What should I be thinking about? What should I be aware of? Where are the conferences I might want to go to? Um, and I think you can, you know, you can set yourself on a really great path if you're doing it with people who know that issue area or are working with the people who your film is about. Um, one of the things my, um, my business partner has said before, which I really love is that, um, the people closest to the pain are often the furthest in the power. And so who you're making your movie about should be part of your campaign. So if you've made a beautiful film about um, the Native American population and you yourself might not be Native American, well, you have to first and foremost make sure that you are including people who you hope your campaign is helping that Mm -hmm. have to be part of your campaign somehow, a consultant, um, whatever it is. So you have to make sure you're also like, even if you have the best of intentions, I think we all have blind spots sometimes and we have to make sure we're including all the voices um, Mm -hmm. when we're building this campaign. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think from there you have to always try to be super honest about the time you want to devote to it. Um, And there are incredible workbooks online uh, that are free uh, that you can go to that will really help you map out a campaign. One of my favorites is from Doc Society. Um, It's called the Impact Field Guide. And we'll put this, we'll put this in the show notes. Oh, awesome. Great. 
And it's, it'll take you step by step through like the questions you should be asking, setting your goals, writing them down, who are the partners you should go out to. And there are, you know, I think that one is, um, it's, it's amazing. There are others out there uh, the fledgling fund, I think has some, um, so you should look for those materials and use them. And I think also knowing that you want to probably go on to your next project, have some kind of, it's never too really early to start thinking about your exit strategy. So when you're ready to hand this off, who do you hope it goes to? Does it go to an educational distributor who's going to try to get it into universities or high schools around the country and really like keep the moment, keep the long tail going as you move on? Where's a, where's a good place to ultimately um, put your film to make sure it can keep going? And mm-hmm. um, that might be a nonprofit partner. We've definitely seen that before where you just forge this incredible partnership and this nonprofit partner is like, you know what? I will keep screenings going and I'll keep people talking about this film and I'll keep using it in my ongoing efforts and work. And that mm-hmm. could be like such a gift. What if you want to make an impact doc, but it doesn't have a very concrete goal? Like you're more going that hearts and minds route where you have a character driven film that happens to be tied to a social justice issue. How do you then sell that idea to these critical partners that you're talking about who might be able to, you know, share, share your film in those circles? That is such a great question because we seem to be in this post-fact world. Anyone can say whatever they want and post on the internet. And I think we now know that like information isn't true, spreads faster than information that is. And so, so we're in this place that's like beyond facts. And so what is mat- what matters now more than anything and what seems to be almost undeniable is when, when you get to like spend an hour and a half with someone and understand their experience. You can't really deny someone's experience. And so I think stories about characters where you get to know them and to your point are maybe more like narrative in nature, if you will. I think those are even more valuable now to organizations Mm -hmm. because organizations, even if, you know, they probably definitely have a specific mission, but um, there are a lot of them are not, storytellers. Um, it's very expensive to have, be a storyteller. They might not be investing in that, but I think having an opportunity to find a well-told story that shows why they do the work they do is so valuable and is such an amazing way to get new supporters, to engage your, the supporters you have already, because it's just, you know, you maybe you're spending an hour and a half with a single mom and getting to see all the, you know, everything she might be going through, um, or a trans person or what happened. It's, I think that is what is going to move audiences to want to, whether it's donate or support organizations who are trying to make the lives better, the people they see on screen. Hmm. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, we are in a, in a, in a post-fact world and it feels like these emotional stories now are more you know, are hitting harder than ever rather than like uh, the way that we traditionally think of impact documentaries like Food Inc. or Waiting for Superman, which are great. But, you know, there's a lot of like sit down interviews and facts and figures. And although there's obviously always going to be a place for those things, like people are just not, uh, as you said, we're in a post-fact world and everybody seems to be very suspicious of things like that now 
or more more so than they were. Suspicious of them for sure. And also just like, I could say two out of three people say X, Y, Z, and you could one minute later say, no, one out of people. And like it does, I don't even know. It doesn't even resonate anymore. It doesn't resonate. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to move you the way a, a truly powerful story can. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like, I mean, in this in this era, artists and filmmakers and business people and, and really everyone is becoming more political. Do you think this has resulted in more impact-driven films? Are you seeing more? Uh, I th- the trend that I seem to be noticing is impact-driven films, I think, used to have a bit of a formula, like the one that you were just describing, right? Mm-hmm. You would follow a few stories, you'd get a few experts, you'd put animation with statistics, you'd like tackle an issue, and which is great. And they, of course, to your point, they definitely have their place. I think the definition of impact-driven films is now much broader, which is what is so much more exciting. Mm. So I don't think anyone would have felt like Hidden Figures was necessarily an impact-driven film, but that had an incredible audience engagement campaign and made tremendous impact. Um, and, you know, it was this like narrative movie with really big movie stars and was a tremendous success. Uh, and so I think our definition of what this is, is certainly growing and in a very exciting way. Um, and I think in times like these, which are very scary, uh, we are both the content creators, but also the content distributors are looking for ways to make an impact with these stories. So even if the intention was, you know, I don't know what the, if the intention of Hidden Figures was to do what ultimately ended up happening happening with that film, which is so exciting, but there's maybe a percentage of it where after it was finished, people were like, oh my gosh, we can use this to do an incredible amount of good. Let's do that. Let's invest in that campaign. Because, you know, these campaigns... They certainly take resources and um, there's effort behind them and personnel. And I think we're doing that more for more types of films, which to me is so exciting. So it's definitely not just regulated to documentaries or a certain type of documentaries. Um, I think we're, we're trying to find ways to like make a difference with a wider, a larger pool of stories. I also think it's this wonderfully golden age. I think we say that all the time, but it feels almost like every year we mean it just a little bit more in terms of the quality and creativity of the documentaries that are, you know, that are coming out that we get to experience. Um, And to me, that's so exciting. Yeah, definitely. Any other general advice on how to maximize your, your documentaries impact? Yeah, I would, I, I, you know, I say this quite a bit, but you should keep in mind that distribution now is no longer something you get. It is something you do. So even if you are lucky enough to make a film and it goes to film festival and it gets acquired, there needs to be a concerted effort to find and engage your audience. Um, And this is especially true for impact films because, you know, if you, if you, I'm making this up, you get a streamer to purchase one of your films and it ends up on that platform. You're most likely don't know like who's going to be, you know, how it's getting advertised, where it's showing up on all these like formulas, how people are going to find it. And once they find it, how are they going to be like taken through an opportunity to make a difference? And so I recommend that filmmakers really think that through come to the table. If you are talking to a distributor or someone who wants to acquire a film and like talk through your goals and your intentions and what you hope. 
um, and really think about where that audience is and how you're going to reach them. If you really want to get to high schools or college campuses, like hold your education rights. Make sure that's something that you do with an expert who can get it onto college campuses and high schools and so you can track it and get to know it. Um, if you really want to make a difference and know where that audience is, like just keep that in mind in your distribution plan so that you can control it. Um, all those big questions are now just as important and ever as ever. Hmm. And I also imagine tracking it in that way would also help you measure its impact so that if you make, if you are trying to make another impact driven film, you will be able to use that as a way to sort of give yourself a boost in this next film. Absolutely. If you're, if you are able to do a non theat you've held back your non-theatrical you know, you're on theatrical rights and you're doing a non-theatrical screening tour and you've booked a few hundred screenings around the country, you now have the names and the locations of those hosts. You might even have the email address or content information from the audience members. And like you are starting to build an audience for your future films. Absolutely. You're able to survey these, you know, survey these folks where you can't necessarily, if you are you know, handing over your movie to someone who it's, that's not part of the deal and they're not going to do it. So I think those are like, that is really important to think about um, at the very beginning. Right. Well, thank you so much, Wendy, for doing this. This was so interesting and, and I'm sure really helpful for our listeners. Oh gosh, I hope so. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jenny Butler. Sky Dylan Robbins is our co-producer. George Itzak is our booking producer. Hansdale Sue does our audio mix. And our original music is by Zach Wright. And Rough Cut is a part of the Video Consortium, which is a creative community of the world's top emerging nonfiction filmmakers and video journalists. We're scattered all around the globe, and we have chapters in New York, L.A., San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Milan, Paris, and with many more to come. If you want to join and become a member, check us out at videoconsortium.com. And if you want to learn more about Rough Cut, go to roughcutpodcast.com, visit us on Instagram at roughcutpodcast, and go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review, subscribe, and rate our show.